this is your pathway to pro. Perfect. Okay. So without further ado, we have our guest. His name is Moog Aguilar. And it's really cool to be able to see how he's been engaging. But I will let him showcase his bio and give some insights about who he is and why he's such an awesome person for this podcast. All right. So first and foremost, Danny, holy crap, that energy is so amazing. Like, thank you uh, for kicking off my day that way. That coffee definitely got a boost from you, not the other way around. So I appreciate that. And to your viewership, as well as this podcast, I appreciate you and am honored to be here to converse about what we're doing up the street at Oklahoma, um, but hopefully for the entire industry overall on a global scale. So my name is Mike Moog Aguilar. I am the Director of Esports and Co-Curricular Innovation for the University of Oklahoma. And I've been developing at OU now since November of 2016 building kind of a very, very holistic grassroots kind of energy that is focused on the topics of building equity within students and empowering them to be my replacement from the get-go. And we'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit. But for myself, I've been a gamer since the mid-80s in West Germany when the wall was still up in the Atari 2600. And I've evolved over the times in regards to the first bits of internet connectivity with Battle.net and StarCraft Brood War. Um, and then also, you know, moving into, I served in the military for six years. I enlisted three months before 9-11, so that was fun, um, which kind of really dove me into Call of Duty because the military at that time, SOCOM stuff was just really getting going in that early uh, PS1, PS2 generation. So the thing that uh, is interesting, a, a, a cool thing about uh, me and, and one of the things that hopefully can inspire some audience is that obviously gaming cultures and communities are often more introverted. And I am no exception. While I'm here and, and completely shaking in my skin just because of the nature of it, uh, it was actually a game called World of Warcraft that brought me out of my shell. And so it, it was through that. Uh, it was bad to the point where my girlfriend wife now um, would have to drag me out of the house by the arm. And uh, social anxiety and all these things um, started to become a, a thing of the past once I started to understand the power of leadership and just creating a little bit of organization in World of Warcraft. And for anyone who doesn't know that game, in the early days, uh, there were four, uh, 40 man raids. You'd have to coordinate 39 other people in real time with seconds of response delay, you know, time, yes. there's not much things that are more stressful than that. Yes. And that will, that will train you to, to learn how to think on the fly and, and be agile on top of still being like this, this guild master that has to deal with people from different time zones and the coordination logistics of that, but also just the communication styles from one person who may be a stay-at-home mom, which were plenty of those, or someone who's more uh, spry, like an 18-year-old that's in the, in the guild. And, um, that was important and significant. I want to highlight that because this is not who I was a decade ago. Um, and then shortly after that, I worked in the Oklahoma County Juvenile Facility. I supported um, juveniles uh, that had um, fortunate scenarios or found themselves on the wrong, wrong side of the law and learned a lot, but that job gave me shingles at 27. And it gave me some, some interesting perspectives, um, which then got me back on track to finish my undergrad in IT and then follow it up with a, an MBA. Um, which put me to Apple for a little bit to kind of reset the energy from Oklahoma County. And then I've been at OU since 2013, um, building or working in IT. And then in 2016, finally getting this, this weirdest opportunity <laughs> ever. And now formally a director of the university, uh, no less, which has been a wonderful journey, but also extreme has built the virtue of patience, which I definitely did not have before. Ah, that's awesome. So let's unpack that from the time that you were like, okay, I, I see this opportunity approaching from University of Oklahoma. What was the first steps for you to solidify, to put your stake in a position in this caliber from an esports perspective? Man, um, well, first and foremost, like those that are collegiate leaders that are that are listening and, and eventually watch this podcast, 
I'll tell you what, we all have our struggles. I'm not going to say that any university has it easier than the others. But Power 5 universities, holy crap. They are slow as molasses. They are fat and they are politically just heavy. So this this roadmap from 2016 didn't finally come to fruition fully until November or until September 2020. So that directorial title is a relatively new thing this semester. But along that way, um, we found so many gray areas that we could explore because the university landscapes don't have any guidance or compliance or any of these things for this topic. So it was it was uh, both scary and also um, extremely liberating to be able to explore and, and use the higher education landscape as a playground of innovation. And um, I ended up giving a TED talk last uh, last September, really kind of challenging higher education to think bigger. We see a lot of high, uh, um, institutions of higher learning just focus on the competitive aspects, yes. but we wanted to look at the macro opportunity because a roster for things like Rocket League are only three people deep, and we have a heck of a lot more than three students. Yeah. So um, what can we do to provide other opportunities that are tangible in the industry, have curriculum tieback opportunities for development and research, and then also just provide a diverse home for people of multiple inter- interests to find something to do on top of just being a member of the community overall. Wow. So did you have any mentors? Like, I guess the biggest question is like, when it comes down to starting this program, did you have to literally showcase the value before even, let's say, even getting compensation for it? Or let's say, did you have a mentor that even plant the bugs for the institution to already know, like, all right, this is where we want to go. How did that process take place? So, wow, that's a, woo. Um, So when I when I first got, uh, so the way that this whole thing kicked off for OU was the CIO of IT at the time came back from an Amazon summit and said, what the hell is Twitch? Yeah. That's how all this started. Okay. And at the time I was like, all right, here, hold my G Fuel, let's get going and let's start. So um, right shortly before that, it was AJ Demick at the University of Utah, the first Power Five to have esports institutions support it and was a longstanding solo Power Five for, for a year or two before we started to see things like Mizzou and um, Ohio State here last school year um, finally come on board for these Division One Power Five, uh, big, you know, these, these bigger schools and these bigger brands and their division classifications. And so it was hard because none of the collegiate, collegiate energies are really doing it different, or really doing it the same, rather, yeah. especially in the Power Five spectrum. So yeah. I'm now in student affairs, but for half of the journey, I was actually in IT yeah. for how we spun up. Let's break down uh, Power and, Five for them, quick, quickly. Let's break down sure. Power Five. So Power Five is a classification in the, in the top five conferences in traditional athletics. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm in the Big 12, along with schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Oklahoma State University, Kansas, Kansas State. Then you have things like the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, um, and those are the flagship conferences that are considered Power Five title, titles. These are the brands that you predominantly see in football more than anything, um, and they also have more stringent compliance uh, things. They also have to subscribe to those conferences, um, but these are the ones that traditional sports outlets highlight more than others. Perfect. Thank you, Mo. Yeah. So um, that uh, that first mentorship came in. Say, I, I called AJ like a week after his appointment and elevation. I said, What did you do? How's it going? But then I quickly learned that um, the University of Utah has this amazing and stellar game development program, very STEM focused, and I don't. So it's like, okay, well, that doesn't relate. So the one person who is at least in the same classification of some of the struggles and politics that they may have to endure is not relatable in the full context. Luckily, AJ, you know, is definitely kind of a pit bull of the industry, in my opinion. He's very blunt. And I really, really love that um, because, you know, there's a lot of people that will just beat around the bush and not say anything. And I learned really quickly just to get to the point. Perfect. once I found out that, yes, there's plenty of energies executing these smaller schools, these community colleges, Div 3, Div 2, smaller schools, 
were having much success, even they weren't relatable because, again, their infrastructure is different. The smaller schools we often see inside of athletics programs, which you will not see in a Power Five or a Div One school for probably forever. Exactly. At least until we have some something break in the NCAA. Not that we want that, but um, <laughs> something said it's going to change that. And so we had to find our own paths that kind of spoke to the cultures on our campus but also um, spoke to the, to the gray areas of flexing um, within the walls of the university's political landscape. For OU's specific story on my journey, it was really unfortunate timing because we had a president who was 22 years plus tenured, leave the university and unfortunately um, not in the greatest of financial shapes. And in its place, they, high, uh, they appointed a, a president who was definitely more business oriented instead of academia. And he came, was brought in to, bring the, to balance the books, which he did. Yeah for the most part in almost 10 months, but unfortunately it was so aggressive it started to hemorrhage the culture on campus. So it's hard for me to advocate to the exiting president in an administration, couldn't advocate to the current one because he was definitely not beloved in any way in that regard, but he did his job yeah. in that in a lot of ways. And then we went into an interim stage and now finally coming out of it for 2021 or 2020 and then got slapped with COVID like everybody else. Yeah. So um, there were, there were milestones along the way, um, just to put it into perspective, what we built at OU is now 1,600 member organization deep. It is, this, it is the largest organization, student organization on campus by more than four times. Um, and that's significant to show just the culture that we've been able to protect yeah. and, uh, and help create that, that, that place for people to just, um, just enjoy being, you know, whether it's, whether it's somebody who likes Animal Crossing or somebody who likes Madden, yeah. you know, having that place to, to be able to come together and still find common ground um, and, and then just listen to and look at the things that they value and still not have to worry about the other stuff. So it's become, it's become its own thing for the entire university of 30,000 plus students and, and over, you know, a couple thousand, um, employees. That, so, that, but the, they have, so that, that's what we, that's what we approach. But the, the, in, the infrastructure that we built is, is really one that I still struggle to find relative or to find, um, any alignment with other universities on the full scale. So let, let's dive into to what we built at OU. Let's actually talk about, um, you know, the infrastructure we built. So sure. since day one, that macro view really focused on, well, what is actually esports? You know, defining gaming versus esports. You know, gaming, I define personally as playing a pickup game of basketball with your friends at a local court, yeah. whereas esports is the NBA finals. All that production, all that drama, all yeah. that development, all those sponsorships, partnerships, sure. uh, venue operations, all that, that's esports. Yeah. Gaming, you don't have to ask anybody to go do it. No. Esports requires a team yes. to make it happen um, <laughs> on multiple fronts. And so this spawned uh, the idea to say, okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about all these opportunities. Let's look at the university landscape for Oklahoma, and let's talk about the academic offerings, the compliance things, the, the student handbooks. And so we built a six-pillar infrastructure that has um, the first one being leadership, nothing new in any organization, you have to have the people that are steering the ship. But the goal with students uh, for this leadership pillar was to build and mentor them to sit in conversations when we're having sponsorship conversations or donor conversations or administrative conversations. And if I had any pushback from administration, I'm saying, well, then we're not gonna have this meeting and it's okay, we'll just wait until you're ready to actually listen to students. Yes. Because the students are the cultural, are the ones that may not understand their own power and their own voice correctly because they're representative of the culture we're trying to build for. Exactly. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves in the collegiate space where we see administrators come in and just say, we'll build it, they'll come. And that's not what happens because you're gonna build something that's to an audience that you're not even scoping correctly. Yeah. And now it's no longer relevant. You're investing money that's either taxpayer dollars if you're a public university or donor dollars regardless of public or private. Sure. And you're wasting time and not, actual, not allowing the students to build equity in what their university is doing, yeah. which is your future alumni pool. That's going to give back if you make sure that you at least consider their voice. Exactly. So 
Um, that uh, that was significant. And so the the obviously the leadership is pretty standard stuff: president, vice president, but then also directors of the next five pillars. So the, the the second pillar, which is my most important one, is community. And this is another one where I see a lot of universities um, kind of skipping this one. And it's just like, why? Who's your future fan base yeah, of your teams? Sure. Who's going who's gonna to actually be your product out of the university? Because the path to pro in collegiate isn't solidified yet. There is no recruitment of the university and then drafting to the pros. Exactly. That is just now starting to see some realization in the industry now, yeah. five to six years after any major elevation that we've seen across the board. For sure. So community for us is a two-pronged approach. The first one is we had to be our own student life. We had to be our own intramurals. We had to be our own programming because the university didn't want to invest anything in it. So we said, well, this is cool. We can do everything we need to. We have our own Twitch channel. We have our own Discord. And we have uh, our own university branding because we were able to navigate that student org. And that's why we got to that 1600 number, um, you know, in, in three years of the org existing. Exactly. And uh, inside of that, we have representation from any discernible demographic you may find, whether that is undergrad, postgrad, or, or doctorate whether it's one of our three campuses, whether that is a freshman or a senior, a transfer student, black, white, red, yellow, uh, wheelchair, or six and a half foot tall. You know, that's all there, education major, law major. It's all there. And so it's a perfect snapshot of what um, what diversity can look like when it's embraced correctly and, and literally setting the table and providing the menu that caters to all audiences exactly. to make them feel welcome. That's and right. yes, it's not, it's not, it's not a perfect rainbow and perfect spectrum. Sure. There's certain, there's certain demographics that can be boosted, but the point is, is there is some representation at the very least. Yes. Um, and so we have strategies that will improve for that. The other side of the community um, efforts is focuses on external engagement outside of the organization. Things that don't come from our initiatives, K through 12 and philanthropy energies. So uh, the philanthropy energy is very near and dear to me, um, having been a third generation public servant, service member, and then also working in the juvenile facility. Um, I always say, uh, I kind of built this culture where it says, we have to pay it forward before we can play it forward. Yes, for sure. And um, so this, this semester alone, from July until just last week, we've raised over five grand for Children's Miracle Network. And it's 100% student driven in regards to how we did those campaigns. In July, we did a League of Legends tournament. In just the last two, our last three weeks, we did our second annual Red River Clash with Texas, and then we did our third annual Bedlam with Oklahoma State, and used those as charitable campaigns exactly. since it's in a virtual state only. And we we just gave it back and, and just said let's let's have our let's have our fun and banter and rivalry, and let's use it as a means to help kids in our backyard exactly. who need it, um, always need it, but even more so as we have other issues to address with with the pandemic landscape. So that's so that's the community division. Okay. Um, then we move into the three pillars that I, I have yet to really find at other universities in all three forms. Okay. I usually see two at, two at most, but not all three. The first one is news and media. So one of the first plugs I'll make is SoonerEsports.org. Perfect. Um, this is a media outlet for us. This is a team of students and writers that are allowed, that basically are empowered to tell the story, whatever it may be, as long as it correlates to gaming culture. So you'll find opinion pieces, you'll find um, interviews, you'll find event coverage. We even have partnered with indie game developers to review their games before they come out to the market. These are all core fundamentals of, of journalistic practicum opportunities. Yes. So everybody reviews the new PlayStation, the new Xbox, the new iPhone, the new uh, new Samsung before you go out and buy it. You don't. Most people don't just go buy it. You do that. That's a journalistic extension. Exactly. So why can't this be any different in creating another avenue of it? And it allows us to have a voice and a presence now with a OU logo on it to broadcast who we are. Yes. which is no different than ESPN or anything else. We had to be our own. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite examples of this pillar was in the first year in 2017, when we spun this up, the original editor-in-chief and co one of the co-founding leadership, Bailey Brown, 
who's now an alum, she wrote an article about gender inequality in esports, which is nothing new. We can all talk about systematic issues with, with representation for gender across almost any industry. Sure. And we can almost all, by memory, just regurgitate those statistics mm -hmm. and how appalling they are. But what Bailey did instead was she reached out to personas in the industry and asked them to tell her story, their stories of adversity firsthand, which is a much different approach and makes it extremely relatable. Exactly. And it sticks with you. Exactly. So um, I remember in that week, uh, just two day, or just one day and two days later, I got random emails from um, male viewership, and this was just like within the first quarter of this thing existing, and saying I had never had the idea, or I never contemplated the fact that um, that women sometimes debate whether or not to even open their mouth in the first five minutes of a brand new lobby. Exactly. And it was just that served its purpose. That proved its concept immediately. And that's exactly what it's for, is to give students a voice that are willing to step up and, and scream it from the mountaintop of the OU brand. That's perfect. Um, then we move on into our own production team. So we had to be our own casters. We had to be our own Monday Night Football, our own ESPN Sports Center, our own TBS E-League. And um, we mentor and grow shoutcasters that have the skill sets of, of, of um, being able to do play-by-play -play or emotional draw, vocal inclination, color casting as well as overlays and understanding how to manage streams, which is pretty common to our industry overall, yes. but yet only a handful of universities are diving into it in any way, um, especially on the curriculum spectrum, which we're not, we're not there yet either, but we have three years of execution. So that, that Bedlam rivalry with Oklahoma State, we managed all the production. Without the production component, there is no esports. Yes. It's just gaming. You don't have the opportunity to even care about your teams or even yes. care about the topic because it's not visible, you can't find it, you can't watch it, you can't exactly. cheer it on. Um, and so that was one of the core fundamentals I started with and the idea was, is like, well, if we reverse esports and then compare it with sports entertainment, you know, there's a lot of business senses and business processes that are very similar, yeah. um, despite the cultures being, you know, decently different. And the, the end result I always make is, um, I reference something like, uh, you know, a Troy Aikman, a, a Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, LeBron James, you know these these icons in athletics. We wouldn't even care about them if they didn't if they didn't have interviews, if they didn't if yes. their games weren't broadcast, if we didn't have there documentaries no on them. It's not that it's not that their talents would be any less. We just would not have known about them. Exactly. And and so that core fundamental has to be one of the pillars that every esports development has to consider strongly. Otherwise, you're never going to have the opportunity of visibility, which will cut your recruitment potential. Yes. And also just building another skill set. Um, then we move into the one that uh, we're starting to see finally some more schools starting to spin up, and that is our streaming entertainment division. And so this is catering to the bigger scope of gamers. This is that ninja, that shroud, that Dr. Disrespect, that, that energy of how can we help build students' confidence in streaming? Yeah. How can we help them understand that this is not just playing a game on a, on a camera? This is understanding timing, understanding self-branding, yes. understanding you know, community engagement, and using emotional draw to make sure you are a good leader and using that power for, for the betterment of, of not only your community, but the elevation of the scene overall. Yes. And so the, the very first proposal that we had to Twitch was doing a cooking show, bringing video game food to life. <laughs> so what does food from Skyrim, you know, or World of Warcraft look like, taste like, smell like? And it landed as partnership before we even streamed a single second under the Twitch student banner, yes. um, which is a program on Twitch for registered student organizations um, uh, nationally and allowed us to use Twitch as a revenue generator pretty quickly. Exactly. So that is a team of, again, students that are, are casting um, or that are um, streaming under whatever topic they want, whether that's doing a cult classic like a Mario Speedrun mm -hmm. 
or if it's um, you know just doing something where it's a, a talk show or even a podcast like this, they're empowered to do whatever they want to do as long as it's professional and and um, they make sure that it, it reduces or minimizes some of the, the controversial topics. So that's uh, that's, that's important to us. But they they have the ability to stream under an OU licensed Twitch channel, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Or they can stream on their own. We host them and we just help them build basically a week-long schedule as a team that says, hey, you're available on Tuesdays for this three-hour block. Can you stream You know, for this time? We'll highlight you. All energy is on you. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then leave the weekends open um, for production for games and so forth. So we ended up building our own television network in that way. Yes. And uh, that's just a modern approach to how we build a team and, and create those opportunities. And then finally, uh, intercollegiate competition. And again, I leave that last because it's the default. It it's is. not exciting to me. Yes, the competition is exciting. The teams that are developing are exciting. But the concept itself is boring. It's yeah. just like, this is what we're going to do no matter what. We're going to build teams. Yeah. And it's and we're going to compete on a national scale for scholarship. So is UT. So is o- Oklahoma State. So is UCLA. So is Rutgers. So is everybody else. <laughs> what else can we do? So out of that 1,600 plus now membership, over 180 are involved across all six of those pillars for extra for extra engagement and actual development. Yes. And um, the beauty of those all six of those pillars is that eventually, um, here shortly, we will be offering scholarships for all six of them, yes. not just competition. Not just that means if you're an influencer and a streamer, you can come to the university with some supplementation to your, to your college career, or a cast or a producer, or a journalist, or a community TO, um, a natural leader. So we take, we take that work and that, that passion of just wanting to be in this space Build the equity into the point of, of, of letting them have some other forms of compensation, which helps me stabilize the, the department and the growth of it. Um, and then now we're able to do those those things and, and we'll be able to recruit in a global scale for not just eight different teams. And I'm sorry, we're developing 10 teams across eight different titles. Mm-hmm. Those titles right now are League of Legends, Overwatch, Rocket League, Smash Brothers, Call of Duty, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, Valorant, and uh, I always forget the last one. It's another FPS, I believe. Okay, um, perfect. But, and so uh, only League of Legends and Overwatch have a, a B team. Call of Duty is getting a B team in the okay. current, in literally right now. Um, and so that scales it up. And the way that those teams are structured is that if there's a coach that's willing to step up, whether that's student or alum, then we empower them and we don't micromanage them and we just say, here's the code of conduct, here's our policies that you help co-author yes. so that you can own it. And then you're, it's up to you to build your curriculum because where do you find a Call of Duty coach? Yes, right. <laughs> where do you find a League of Legends coach? You know, you that's that's them hustling, putting their name out there, yeah. trying to sell hourly services, being on discords, you know, doing a lot of grassroots energy. Yes. And so there's there, the expectation for us isn't going to win national championships. Obviously, we want to, and we want to empower that. But right now, I'm more, in this, more interested in building the infrastructure pipelines because we need that more and the universities as well as the at least the bigger universities as well as the mainstream acceptance of this topic doesn't care enough for us to be that competitive yet. So I would much rather be more competitive on the innovation of the design of this organization and its focuses versus just purely all eggs in the basket of competition or all eggs in the basket of community. It has to be equal and elevate all of it. That's so So, smart. Yeah. So that's that's the approach that we took for the organization overall. And the, the full realization of this is that for us, the roadmap for OU's development is to have the esports department be a standalone, yes. not underneath student affairs, not underneath engineering, not underneath athletics. It will be a peer yes. to those entities, exactly. not, not it. And so that's a three to five year roadmap from now. 
And we're pretty much on track to hit that mark, um, which will also be just completely different because I can't, there's very few, if not any really that I can reference that are fully independent um, entities like that. They usually yeah. have some governing body over it exactly. that has a VP inner layer in between it. And so the goal is to not, is to ultimately be the OU athletics of esports. Exactly. That's perfect. I don't know, it's cool that you were able to break that all down. Very comprehensive for the individuals that are tuning in. My largest question is for the individuals who are coming to the university for the first time and they're like, I see there's esports that's there, but I'm kind of like timid to figure out if this is something for me. What is that icebreaker that you have to allow that student, whether they're black, blue, red, brown, what is that icebreaker that allows that student to say, I want to come to MOOC or I want to come to anybody else and I want to say, hey, this is what I want to do. Maybe competition is not my forte, but are there any other pipelines that I can be of engaged or even support or help? How do you break that ice? So, you know, back to school, you know, obviously is a really good energy. This, is, this applies to the bigger stroke, not all, but the bigger stroke. Back to school is deliberately intentional in how we develop programming to be an inclusive environment of safety. So that means that, you know, Among Us has been extremely viral. It transcends, you know, a lot of different uh, discernible demographic barriers as so it does Fall Guys. And so instead of going down this path of just pure tryouts, we built our discords to be separate in regards to the business operations and the community engagement. That way it keeps it light and fun-hearted. Inside of there, you'll see people that are talking about anime, building computers, Valorant specifically, Madden specifically, um, console-based programming specifically. And then on the other Discord, it's get to work. It's yes. building teams, it's building the production, it's building all that. So that allows us to keep it from being intimidating from, well, I've never casted before, so I don't really want to do this. We don't, we don't allow them to see that so that they can at least ask the question because it's, it's, a fine, it's a fine balance to figure out, you know, what do you want to showcase that's too polished and then it's off-putting because you have a freshman who's introverted and yeah, they care about these things, they want to learn more, but their own hangups cause them to not even ask that question. And that's going to be the bigger percentile no matter what. But that's where, that's where the equity build in the students is so important. It's different coming from a 38-year-old director coming into this and saying, hey, guys, I'm really cool now. I do video games. And you know, no matter what I do, I'll always be that 38 and older to them. Yes. And so that's where the student voice is so important because when it's the students talking to other students, then it's more relatable. Whether that is a gender, you know, whether that's a gender uh, synergy or a racial synergy or uh, discipline synergy, it helps break the ice. And because of the diverse nature of what we built, we have representation in the majority of almost any scenario that we can come up with. Yes, for sure. Um, and so that, that helps us a lot in breaking the ice during the back to school. And so we just kind of flood back to school with programming. So this week, or this year, we did a lot of Among Us. We did a lot of Fall Guys. We did a lot of Valorant because it just came out of beta. Um, and then we coupled that with tryouts without even being deliberately intentional with tryouts. So it was just like, we didn't plan on doing Valorant until the week after school started. And then it was just like, man, we got a lot of people just playing pickup games in Valorant. Exactly. And um, one of my one of my oldest students and or one of my oldest student alum was like, "Can we do a Valorant? I'm already a coach for CS:GO. It already translates very well." And it's like, "Well, it's you're asking. You already know how to do this. Yes. Go." And they ended up just turning the pickup games and back to school and organically growing it into Valorant, which is perfect. So that um, that spun up that it also fills the coffers and the the ranks for all of the other programs. And that's excuse me. And that's why the culture, the community aspect, um, is so important because yes. it feeds all five pillars. And um, that is that is a huge thing to me because then it's a representation. One of my favorite stories this year. I have I actually have two real stories. 
I'm going to plug some, stu- or some, some students this year. The first one is Joshua Reisenberg, who is an a inst- a instrument me- a music education major. And he's also the head coach of Overwatch. Now, the one thing that I didn't mention about our intercollegiate competition division is that we're partnered with Nike Subsidiary U.S. Summer Camps to offer summer camps across our titles. Wow. And this is housed inside of our intercollegiate competition. That means that teams that have a either extremely proactive captain or a, a coach that has high caliber or even has the, the moniker coach, they're empowered and encouraged to build curriculum and teach it under the Nike brand. Yes. So that allows them to build themselves, build their resume, and share their knowledge, and get something back that they did probably have never experienced before. And his response was insane. <laughs> um, we had representation from the Philippines, Brazil, and Canada, California, New York, and Florida, which are not OU demographics in any way. Exactly. And it just showed the power of good partnership. Now, granted, you know, there's plenty of other things that go into that, but the end of the result was we hosted Overwatch camps last summer during a COVID landscape, and we, had, we filled them up at least 80%. And um, they got some experiences that they never would have dreamed of having. We had uh, we obviously try to keep it into the upper upper classes of high school, um, usually between like 13 and 18. But we had this one one bless her heart, this little girl. Her name was Rosalind. Um, she was 11 years old, and she was so adamant on on attending this Overwatch camp, despite the age differences. Yes. And she dominated that camp. She yes. was commanding 16 and 18 year old boys. To, and that's that's the full dream of creating this world where none of that crap matters yeah. in regards to what we see in traditional sports. There's no science of anatomy doesn't have its place here. The gender barrier walls don't exist here, so why should we yeah. fabricate them? Exactly. And it was it was beautiful because I'd love to see what, what happens to her as she continues her you know her path in life. But her the, the other thing that was really really cool about that was that her mom her mom attended. We streamed the entire week. Um, and her mom attended 80% of the week yeah. and she's sitting there just screaming in Twitch. And I was just like, that is amazing. That's so, so powerful. Um, but that's a, those types of stories that we tell and, and empowering the students to really have their voice and say, Hey, take ownership of this. This is your organization. This is your university. Yes. This is your program that you're not building behind me. You're building next to me. Yes, for sure. You guys are my peers. And yes, you're my workforce, but I need your voices to be equally as loud as mine. Yes. And you need to share your stories. You need to be vulnerable. You have to understand and use this as the means to transcend that, that introverted nature and rise to the occasion. Yes. Because one, one, of my favorite, um, one of my favorite quotes that really kind of helped me get over kind of a burnout phase in 2018 was none other than Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace as well, yeah. who says, what you build for you is, is not about you. It's yeah. about everybody after about, you. Yes, and sure. I hope I'm instilling <laughs> that in this leadership that says, if every generation had this mentality, we would continuously grow and innovate and never get stagnant. That's perfect. Because it's not about us. You get to enjoy the stuff that your predecessors have, but it's a launch pad to do more. It's so much and, more. And so that's 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 one of the, the big cultural lessons I have in my leadership. But for the most part, they're decently responsive, especially this year now with the formal elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, an, another student that I want to really highlight, her name is Michaela, and she, um, she is a Children's Miracle Network baby. She had, a, she had an organ transplant at a very young age. So I didn't know this story until almost we were done with all of our charity campaigns this semester. And I was like, well, holy crap, this is the, this is the full circle of why we do charity is yes. that Michaela wouldn't be here if we didn't support and pay it forward. For sure. Um, and that uh, is extremely, extremely powerful, not only for representation for her, but also for her to have a platform that says, my university, I came to the right university. They're caring about the very things that kept me breathing. And not only do they have my curriculum, but now they have a program where the fact that I'm a woman in gaming is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Um, And I have equal opportunity to my peers and it's fully realized. That's awesome. So like to to grab the baton, when it comes down, 
when we look at our community here at East Bossier in the southern sector of Dallas, you know, the parents are the number one thought process on when they hear about esports, it's almost like gaming, just gaming. But you mentioned earlier on about scholarships and not only scholarships coming from the competitive side, but you mentioned scholarships on the whole pathway of all the different subsectors of esports. And when you think about that, the next question for that parent is how much? You know, how much am I going to be able to save when it comes down? I want my son or my daughter to go to college. How much am I going to save? And if this is a viable opportunity for the future of my son or daughter, that's a question that is on the minds of every parent <laughs> out there. You know, give it a perspective when you think about scholarships and where, like, where you're at right now, where are the universities on an average scale right now in providing scholarships, and how do you see it growing over the next year? So let's say a, a parent has a, a son or daughter that's in 10th grade or 9th grade, and they're looking at like, okay, I see esports right now, and if I can get my son or daughter activated, I see the growth and the scholarships will be at this point at that time, so I should start to get him involved in that. Think about it from that perspective when a parent is looking at it from that perspective. Kind of give that guideline based off of yours. Okay, so um, from the director's seat, you know, steering this giant freight liner of a university with the tiniest steer wheel, steering wheel that looks like this <laughs> is, is a challenge. And so one of, the, one of the biggest things that I have had to deal with is that to push this needle forward, I have deliberately told the university, I don't want any funding from you, which is completely unheard of for yeah. a lot of these things where – Many directors and many people that are building at the grassroots way in the earlier parts of the collegiate space are like, hey, guys, we have this cool, yeah. cool topic. Give me all your money. Yeah. No, um, I'm going to showcase the power of this as an entrepreneur Perfect. and how we can build partnerships leveraging a brand. And I, granted, I know that I have a brand that's powerful, and that's not the case for all universities yes. in the scope of how its brand is received. Yes. So that, that was one of those things as a business major and as an entrepreneur in that regard that I had to leverage. So I lay that as a foundation to say that the landscape across most scholarships right now are, we see some pretty good ones in regards to full, full rides, yeah. but we also see for the majority, the average is anywhere from three to five grand in scholarship yeah. offerings. And OU is not going to be any different from that in the first year of its offering, which yeah. should hopefully be in 2021. Perfect. But the goal is by the three to five year mark from right now to be close to at least 40 to 50% of the cost of tuition. Perfect through strategic alignment of partnerships, through strategic alignment of alumni donations, and showing the perspective of what we built, which we should inspire its alumni and its investors and its supporters of the space, as well as the brands in the industry, whether they are a professional esports organization or what, um, that there is so many other opportunities. I haven't even talked about research. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's a great one. And so I do want to highlight that in a second. But one of the things that I'm after, and, and this is really what spoke to me, um, and this is why you know being a lifelong learner is so important. I learn just as much from my students as they learn from me. And I want that environment. I have my, my student president who's like this tall. She's literally like four <laughs> foot nothing. Bless your heart, Jasmine. I don't mean to pick on you. Um, but she's, uh, she's a minority president of the largest student org on campus and a business major. Yes. And she'll call me out in a heartbeat. Hey, you know, to stop talking about that or push it out. And I yeah. love that. I want accountability. I yeah. want the, I want my student leadership to understand that we need checks and balances across this yeah, because yeah. it's new for me too. Yes. I'm a little bit older. Yes. I'm a little bit, uh, you know, further along in my career, but, um, but the most important thing is, is that we all have to own this. That means we all have to have checks and balances. That means mental yeah. health. That means visibility. That means understanding the, the social needs that we all have and the interactions and our passions yeah. across the board. We're dynamic be dynamic, yeah. embrace the dynamic nature. 
So the the one the two things that I wanted the two things of scholarship that I want to spin up. So this is my challenge to other universities that aren't doing this too. Perfect. Is aside from the six other pillars of of equity building scholarship that I'm going to deploy and I'm going to do that. Yes. I promise you. <laughs> um, the other two is first generation gamer and women in gaming and esports scholarships. Yes. And if you're not considering this at this stage, then why not? This is again why we we had an outcry for fixing systematic problems, and yet we have a topic that is an equalizer and we're not leveraging it as an equalizer. And that's a missed opportunity that doesn't take much energy to find inspiration. People want to support that agenda. People want to support the ability to, of having the representation issues fixed so we can stop talking about it. We're tired of it. Why is this even a thing in 2020? Can we just go and have fun doing what we love and stop being hung up on the fact that this is person's a woman or this person is a minority or It sucks. It sucks that it's a topic. We all know it. The darker the skin tone, the more it's realized. Yes. So how do I fix that? How do I how do I help impact that with a seat that I have? And so those are those will be goals and additional scholarships that we have in Perfect. just 18 to 24 months or less, period. Like I'm I am not interested in boosting the other scholarships until those are created. Um, they have to be there. Perfect. It's important to me culturally. Now, when we talk about the academic pipeline for the parents that are listening, okay, yeah, I can help compensate some of the some of the cost. Yeah. And as an out-of-state tuition, you know, that's not that is that in itself is already a challenge financially, especially yeah. if your student is too much of a gamer <laughs> and not allowing his academics to be as good as his game inside of Madden or yeah. inside of League of Legends. So, for the students and the parents that are watching, your academics are absolutely important at yes, this stage. Sure. And so that's significant. Um, do not let that slip. Um, because if you're coming at a 2.5 and a 2.0, guess what? You have to be at a 2.5 to be involved in any of these things. Yes. And I'll tell you right now, the university scholarships that we'll be offering require at least that. Yes. We have to elevate the scene. We have to break the stereotypes. We have to break the stigmas of gamers being lazy and exactly. unproductive members of society. Sure. When the reality is, is once they're activated and, and kind of uh, woken to the, to the topics of opportunity, then they excel. Then they're like, I don't want to fail. I don't yeah. want to be a part of this. For sure. Because... Just like the traditional sports pipeline, you want to be a member of that team, you're going to do what you need to do to stay in good graces so the coach doesn't come after you. Um, and that doesn't change the topic. And yes. that's now not just competition, but a full spectrum of opportunities. That's perfect. And so, um, but when we talk about the academic pipeline, so this is again where I'm going to differ from a lot of other university peers. And this is another challenge to higher education. Mm-hmm. So, this is uh, a lot of, we're seeing a lot of schools, and we're both a product of it with SMU. Yes that are spinning up graduate certificate programs, which is a great place to start. I'm not yes. going to lie. It's easy to get off the ground. Exactly. Um, it has its place, and it allows universities to test the water versus a deep dive risk. Exactly. What I am after, though, is, is polishing up pre-existing degree plans. Mm-hmm. So instead of spinning up curriculum from scratch entirely, why do I need to when I have a creative media production degree when it's 85% relevant for the industry? Exactly. Why not just add a couple of courses to give it a focus in esports because it already teaches broadcast, it already teaches you know some of the overlay topics, it understands the production side, 85% is relevant. Yeah. Instead of putting OU versus Texas and giving students that opportunity, put OU versus Texas in esports, exactly. and it's exactly the same skill set and yeah. techniques that you learn. So that will add value back to the alumni that already graduated from the university yeah. and create CMP majors, a pipeline that they didn't understand uh, that they had access to in an industry that's on track exactly. to match the NFL in six to seven years from now revenue. Exactly. So that's, that's it. Sports management so, as well. Right. Sports, yeah. And so that's just one. But, you know, the other things, too, that a lot of people don't think about, is, and the very first degree activation that I'm after is actually social work. Yes. Um, 
So we've obviously had an outcry of the things that I've talked about in regards to defund the police, aka restructure the police, yes. make it a better resource for our communities, make it more well-rounded uh, and more tempered. Exactly. That at the very least is what we're crying for. Yes. And gaming is a great topic, especially coming from the juvenile facility background. My mom was also a speech therapist in inner cities. Um, and so I, I got the full spectrum of both youth in need that need educational need and youth in need in regards to just mentorship. For sure. And in Oklahoma, we're already in the lower 10th percentile in our K through 12 standards. Yeah. And the juvenile facility is a detention center, not a rehabilitation center. Exactly. Why? Because a lot of taxpayers are focused on saying, why would I pay for them as youth when I'm just going to have to pay for them as an adult anyway? Exactly. And that's such a backwards way of approaching this as we see at DHS people have high attrition because they don't, that's, that work is stressful. That's why they literally gave me shingles just to be in the environment at exactly. 27. So what we did is we partnered with Oklahoma City Police Athletics League to that's focus perfect. on activations for inner city kids um, as a means to give back. But this now leverages the community pillar and the production pillar yes. to go and do and manage their discords as well as do production. Um, and so we're scaling it up. When we presented this idea to our College of Social Work, they didn't say, they said, uh, this is an internship, this is practicum, yeah. um, which is a very different conversation. So for yeah. those that don't know in the academic world, practicum is an alignment with actual course degree work, meaning that we would be arming social work uh, as a means of the evolution of social workers in the space for using gaming as a preemptive measure instead of a reactionary measure mm -hmm. in keeping kids on the right path and providing other programming that is equally important to physical leagues in general that we see and like the birth of Police Athletics League in New York, um, you know, you know, almost 100 years ago, which is iconic in regards to what it did for the inner city kids in, in the New York metro. Exactly. So these, these are things that we can do that are just organic tie-ins. They don't require big, you know, big thought yeah, processes. It's just like, this makes perfect sense. Why isn't everybody doing this? Uh, okay, well, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it. But it's so, on us. It's um, on us to be able to showcase it because, you know, what seems like very logical and why it should be done to us because we're right there in it. Ultimately, we it's our job to showcase it and be able to use that. That's why this next segue, research, is so important. So speak on it as you were going to speak on how important research is. Yeah, so research, a lot of people aren't thinking of esports in the, in the most holistic way and the biggest thing, like breaking down everything will inspire higher education to see there is so much opportunity here. Yeah. One of the degrees that most people don't think about, anthropology, yeah. the study of communities. What is this current landscape taught us about virtual environments? Yes. And they what are. have gamers thrived at since the 2000s? Being online in virtual communities. Mm -hmm. So there's a new way of, of revitalizing anthropology on almost every campus. Psychology, behavioral science. How do we fix the systematic problems inside of gaming culture that require that creates that toxicity? Well, we can't do that because we're only getting them at 18. This is why K through 12 inner city and, and, and those resources that we're working on is so important, not only to build the infrastructure of pipeline, but to build the infrastructure of culture, to understand that it's not okay to attack somebody's character, yeah. to understand that it's okay to have some friendly banter. That's part of gameplay. Mm -hmm. But when you're attacking somebody's person, when you're attacking somebody's gender, when you're attacking somebody's skin tone, there's no place for that. Yes. And that has to stop. Um, we don't we don't operate in this world. We can't we can't elevate the scene collectively. We can't push the needle forward and providing that repre uh, representation pipeline. Never mind the actual path to po the pro. Talk about just the the path to feeling comfortable within your own skin, including the digital environments. Yes. And that's that's responsibility on both spectrums. That's responsibility and understanding that you're not going to be triggered and you're going to let something that comes at you let go to not feel the fire. And then on the other side, not opening your mouth and attacking somebody else's person. 
And that's a long haul. I mean, games like Call of Duty, who have been around forever, yes. are naturally toxic because of that duration and the heavy military bi- you know, basis and bias um, in regards to that. And so we've, we've had to deal with that. That's not, no, everybody will have to deal with that depending yes. on the title. And um, that's the point of creating an opportunity of mentorship and saying, hey, this is a teachable moment. Um, however, what you did was so egregious that I got to pull you out for a little bit. <laughs> and then we need to talk about this. You need to sit down and think about it and why it's so important. And it goes back to that article about women in esports and the first hands of adversity. Yes. It's like, guys, if you're a representation of this brand, you need to read this article because that's who we are. Yes, for sure. And that's who we are going to be, not only as gamers and people that play games in this space, but literally the University of Oklahoma and the Sooner Nation. This is who we cannot be um, as our part in the bigger picture of the collective of collegiate developers and industry developers overall. That's perfect. So that's, uh, that's important. But um, sports team management, business, international business, marketing, advertising, creative media production, professional writing, journalism, law, education. All of it. Um, <laughs> all of the things. You know, pretty much every college on our campus uh, has opportunity Thank to you. have impact, um, uh, to, to be able to have some piece of this uh, energy and, and find new pathways to create some very exciting and new um, curriculum offerings, whether that be a graduate certificate, master's, doctoral, or undergraduate programs, yeah, sure. all of those things can be explored. And yes, some of that will take an act of Congress to get off the ground because of the approval processes of vetting accredited curriculum. But you've got to start somewhere. And the sooner that you start, the sooner you can get to that process. So we have specific strategies for that. I, I, I'm not going to be privy to share just yet. But the idea is that you know there's, there's methods on almost every college campus, especially at the Div 1 Power 5 stage, where there are there are methods in the in the art academic infrastructure that can allow you to spin up curriculum without the full support of the individual college deans. Yes, and that that is where you can find the um, that's where you can find the unique opportunities to get a lot of stuff right off the bat to help inspire faculty and and really kind of kick this into a fireside topic that says, all right, let's all just explore it. Here's some money. We're a tier one research campus. Let's leverage that and let's figure out what makes sense for our culture and our communities. Perfect. So how does one institution, college that is looking to start to build a program find a MOOC, right? Like, like <laughs> how, do they, how do they find a MOOC? Like, what, what advice oh, would you man. give that uh, individuals out there that are searching and are seeing they want their program to be as dynamic? And, you know, even from a marketing perspective, you're able to showcase it out to the world. You're passionate about every component and the ability to be able to groom and you've been able to give this five-year pipeline, right? How does a college find a move? Um, they listen. They have to listen. Yeah. The, most universities, administrations, marginalize their students' voice um, in many, many ways. And it's unfortunate, um, like I referenced at the beginning, where you're not listening to your students, which are the subject matter experts on this. Yes. The students still need some hand-holding hand and mentorship. That's the whole reason they're there. Yeah. But their knowledge, especially the older the generation of the administration, has such a massive disconnect. And you have to be vulnerable on both spectrums. You have to be vulnerable as the boomer, yeah. and you have to be vulnerable as the Gen Z. Yeah. You have to be able to say as a Gen Z, yes, um, there's certain sensibilities of how we operate and what we need in our social needs and things like this. But you have to be willing to be patient and convey that. And on the administrative side, you have to be willing to listen to it. That yeah. means carving out time putting the phone away, saying, all right, here you go, student, here you go, freshman, here you go, sophomore, talk to me. Yes. And let's have a dialogue where you're not just talking at me, yeah. where you're talking to me. And Gen Z has to do the same. Now, um, there's plenty of universities, there's actually not a single university I've ever encountered yes. 
where there's not students that are capable of getting to the next stages of elevation. Yes. And that's, that's, both, a, that's both amazing and also a crime that there's not more universities that are pushing this needle forward. Perfect. And it's also comical about how much lack of representation in the Power Fives there are. You would think with the amount of resources in schools like UCLA and, and OU and, and Ohio and Utah that there's not more of us in that, high, in that tier exactly. um, classification. And that's, again, because there's so many things that they're dealing with politically, we get that. Yeah. But there's enough resources of administrations and the VPs of Students Affairs or Deans of Students um, or Student Life Components that should be looking at this as at least as a means to activate the community component. Again, community being the most important. And honestly, community to me is the bigger recruitment tool than the competition for us. Mm -hmm. Because if I can help make that freshman retain into their sophomore year, that is a success in itself. And all universities grade themselves on retention. Yes, they do. Just as much as recruitment. And yes. um, they don't grade themselves on if they won a national camp championship in esports. No, exactly. not this tier. They don't yet. That will eventually come. That will be a byproduct of the, of the recruitment tools. Yes. But right now, it's the retention component that is retention. bigger. So focus on what retains students, what yeah. retains their interest, what caters to that driver stroke. And again, that all comes from empowering students to allow them to build equity and actually take ownership of yeah. this university, of, of their, their future alma maters and their future contributors back, and, and letting them truly find a home. Yes. And, um, and that's important. Again, I live in an extremely conservative state, as we all learned in the current <laughs> presidential, presidential uh, champ. Uh, 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 campaigns, and okay. so that's uh, that also causes you know some rifts in regards to being a more uh, more liberal mentalities on college campuses, and so that's a conflicting com you know thing as well. I don't care what out of the uh, of the fence you land on. I just yeah. don't care. Like speak your voice, but don't shove it down other people's throats. Exactly. And I don't want to go down the political path. But the point is, is that being sensitive to the idea that there are differences, there are. and instilling that in the administrations as well as the students to say. You have to listen to each other. Yes. As long as you keep it civil, it's okay to disagree, and that's one of our biggest problems societally anyway. Perfect. And that's been one of our biggest wins in really instilling a culture where, again, you don't have the, the animosity of PC gamer versus console in our community. Yeah. <laughs> yes, PC Master Race will still jab at you, but you can't negate Smash. Yeah, you can't. And you can't negate the power of Rocket League being free yes. to play and the true sure. cross-platform nature of it. Exactly. Rocket League is going to be one of the biggest esports titles, period, because yes. of this amount of of lack of conflict and type of game it is, yeah. and it's nature that it's free, and you can play it on any platform with your friends. Exactly. So it doesn't even matter what you buy for that topic. For sure. And it's just genuinely fun. It's like Rocket League is a lot of fun. It's fun. That's awesome. So, uh, but yeah, that's 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 how you find another version of me. They're already on your campuses, administrators. Yeah. Uh, you just have to listen to gotta them. Gotta listen. You gotta listen. Gotta listen. So that perfect. So we're close to wrapping up, and our next video is gonna be more geared towards recruitment. So kind of leave us off. Uh, move in regards to we know that institutions are looking at it from a perspective of recruitment as you stated you know um, being able to maintain within the environment but also recruitment so in this instance speak on the value of recruitment and then we'll close it on out well so for part of our strategy for specifically is that without us asking the university for any dedicated budgets we're going to utilize donations and stuff like this to kick off those scholarships that I'm talking about and use that as a means to recruit to the university on a global scale. And so some of the advantages is that some people, uh, there are plenty of people in the space that are gamers that are going to college that don't necessarily care as much about the collegiate experience. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. But there are absolutely ones that want resources. They want a diverse population. They want diverse curriculum. They want diverse networking, the networking because of the heritage of that specific brand. Yeah. And so by being able, that in itself gives us, you know, in these bigger schools, a little bit of an upper hand for that specific audience. 
So um, just in the last semester school year alone, I had over 60 students reach out to us on our own accord. We don't globally market in any way yet. So for them to seek us out tells us, well, what's going to happen when we actually market and actually incentivize it? Exactly. Because a lot of those students don't even care about scholarship offerings, some yeah. of them. They just want to have the experience of a good program as exactly. well as all the other anemones. For sure. So with that mentality in mind, my goal is to utilize scholarships and fresh, kind of fresh sooner blood to the university as a means to justify finally asking the university after its proof of concept is executed. If I'm able to bring 40 to 50 students to the university in one year's time after activation and elevation, I'm pretty sure that's pretty good merit for us to have a conversation about allocating part of that tuition money to the sustainment of this program. Um, and so we'll explore that. That'll be a political mess for sure. But um, the point is, is that, guys, we've proven our concept. Yes. And we have 40 students that would not have otherwise come here exactly. if it wasn't for our specific development. And we have plenty of other programs at the university that are supported with much lower student populations. That's so, and this is only going to scale up more. I have 180 involved in extracurricular. I would love to offer at least 100 scholarships in the next three years. Yeah and hopefully scale them up to at least be a quarter of the tuition cost by that time. Exactly. Sure. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that recruitment piece is extremely component because it is the lifeblood of sustainment for yes. my strategies. Yes. And, um, and it's proof of concept that will execute it instead of asking for the cart before the horse. Exactly. I'm literally going to the racetrack and proving my, my garage project is going to decimate the other one versus, yes. um, versus just saying, cool, I'm OU, I want everything polished and to know. We're going to work on it because that's work. part of our story yes. of who we are. It's, it's literally the rags to riches, grassroots to full realization, yeah. the dream of equity fully realized. Yeah. That is our narrative and it has been since day one. That's perfect. So, closing statements, Moog, Aguilar, man, thank you so much for this wealth of knowledge because ultimately I've been able to learn a lot from this element, as I spoke to you earlier, like this is new because I have not been, this is my first, from an SMU perspective, this is my first time being engaged with the collegiate uh, esports curriculum and course creation. Um, so for me, you know, I never got the chance to experience that. It was just me on college campus hosting tournaments, right? So there wasn't all of this dynamic uh, conversation <laughs> right. that was around. So in this instance right now, I'm, I'm appreciative of your experience, your intellect, and just kind of give some closing statements before we carry it on. Yeah, the, the, my, my, my audience obviously is to higher education first. Um, the first thing is, is do more. Like seriously, do more. Yeah. There is so much on the table uniformly. If you're just doing competitive energies, what else could you do? And curriculum is not entirely the only other thing. What else can you do in your programs? And put energy behind it just as much as your activations and, and competitive. Yeah. If you're not building sustainable communities and you're not building something that allows your students to be find a home, then you're missing the bigger picture of what we want. You're missing the bigger picture of who gaming is. Gaming is a 155 billion revenue industry. Esports is only a 1 billion sliver of that. Yes. Why are you catering to only the 1 billion sliver? Yeah. Cater to the 155 billion. Cater. And that's, that just shows, you know, again, the difference between, you know, trying to be a developer versus just saying we have esports. Yeah. And sure. that's not a diss on anybody. That is a challenge to do more yeah. because I need you here. You yeah. need me here. And we all elevate the scene where we can be on level playing grounds at a higher stage and compete the right ways. For sure. That's that's it. We want to beat you on a level playing field and <laughs> you need to beat up on a level playing field. And it's not that OU's ahead in any way yeah. because we still not are fully, these things are in progress and yeah. now they're past the, the initial stages and have been. For sure. But the challenge is, is we could all be doing more with this. Yeah. Don't, sure. you know, don't treat this as an entrepreneur, develop this. Yeah. For my K through 12 energies and prospective students, the biggest thing is that more and more opportunities are being created. And that's the dream for all of us of what we want to do with this topic. I could care less and my, my university will hate this. But I'm a gamer first, yeah. and then a sooner second. Yeah. Um, and my, my biggest challenge and the biggest drive for my youth, 
uh, and the youth that listen to this and the parents of that youth is that these opportunities don't skirt on them. Yeah. OU brand is great. I get it. But UT's brand, again, OU would kill me for saying that, yeah. is fine. Oklahoma State, you know, or the community colleges, local community or local universities, they're all powerful in their own right. Yeah. They might fit in your budget better. They might fit in your culture better. Whatever speaks to you speaks and make sure that you finish your college career is still the most singular important thing yes. versus just in competing for the university in League of Legends yes. or just competing for this or that. Be a realist with your education. Yes. Ten years from now, seven years from now, you can be completely driven by esports only when we get into the stage of full full stuff and full sponsorships and pipeline to pro and, sure. and all these things. But we're not quite there yet. Exactly. So be a realist. Stay on top of your academics. Find balance. If you're spending 12, day, 12 hours a day playing games when it's not the holidays, yeah. it's kind of imbalanced. You yes. need to be reading books. You need to be diversifying who you are exactly. um, and understanding you know, some of the way the world works. So um, any, any student that enters into higher education or post, uh, post anything post high school is a win collectively for the industry. Exactly. I don't care if you're on the West Coast, East Coast, in the heartland. None of that matters. Right now, it helps us all have strength in the numbers of telling our administrations and educating our mainstream audiences like this podcast yes. that we have energies in this in multitudes of different discernible demographics. Yes, that's perfect, man. You couldn't have said it even better. Moog, Aguilar, thank you so much for this participation. And I would definitely be speaking with you offline. Um, there's so much other things to be able to speak on. And we even touched the surface. When it comes down to it, we're looking at so much other content that's there. So, again, I'm super appreciative of everything that you've been able to share on this podcast. And I'll definitely see you shortly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>